Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This is our series podcast where a guest and I pick a series and talk about all the installments weekly until we reach the conclusion. Uh, this week, we are ending our journey in the Scream franchise with what I think is probably the most underrated with Scream 4. But before we dive into this episode, I must introduce the Billy to my stew on this episode, Adam Dickens. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing tonight? I'm hanging in there. Panthers lost a heartbreaker again. I know, man. Browns are decimated by injuries. Packers hung in there, though, so I was happy about that. Um, but usually, this is the part of the show where we chat about stuff we've seen recently and stuff that we would ro- want to recommend or not. But this week we are going to dive straight into the uh, into the movie, so we can have a very special segment at the end of this episode to discuss the trailer for Scream Five, simply titled Scream, and we'll go over our thoughts on that and where we think the movie is possibly heading, and kind of maybe give some predictions. There, there's a, a few predictions we can make based off the trailer, but they're probably all wrong. Uh, but spoiler alert: I did love the movie or the trailer, excuse me. Uh, Dickens, did you like the trailer? I did, man. Um, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but there was a few stuff that gave some of the scenes away and kills away, but I'm hoping that this is just a trick on us and they're going to surprise us with something else. All right. But, I think they got a, a lot lot in store for yeah, us. Overall, I really enjoy the trailer. Yeah, me too. But like I said, we're going to jump right into Scream 4. So this is the last film to be directed by the great Wes Craven, uh, Fuck Cancer, starring Neff Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Emma Roberts, Hayden Panettiere, Anthony Anderson, Allison Brie, Adam Brody, Rory Culkin, Mary McDonald, Marley Shelton, Marley Jafe, Nico Tortorella, and Eric Nunson. If you aren't familiar with Scream 4, the plot synopsis reads like such according to Google. It has been many years since the Ghostface Killer cut a deadly path through the town of Woodsboro. In order to get over the trauma of those horrific events, Sydney has written a self-help book. She returns to Woodsboro for her book tour and reconnects with friends Gail Weathers and Sheriff Dewey. However, Sydney's arrival also sparks the return of Ghostface, putting Sydney and everyone she loves in danger. And that is sort of the plot of the movie. The main characters kind of take a back step in this movie, it feels like in some ways, which, and there's a reason for that. Uh, because this movie came out 11 years after Scream 3 debuted in theaters, and this was supposed to be a start of a new trilogy. At least that it was, again, it was pitched that way. And I was excited when this movie came out because, like you guys found out last week, Screen 3 kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And I was hoping this would either, you know, end the Screen franchise on a good note or be the start of something new and exciting. Um, so, Dickens, when was the first time you saw Scream 4 and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? I saw Scream 4 in 2011 in theaters when it came out. Yeah, super stoked to see it. Definitely a relaunch of my favorite franchise, horror franchise. And um, when the idea first came that Scream 4 was coming, internet really wasn't a big thing. So I just kind of happened to find out by a trailer. Um, so, but yeah, I was super excited to see it back then. Um, I still love watching it to this day. Um, it doesn't it doesn't get up there with Scream 1 and 2, in my opinion, but it's definitely yeah. a fun, 
fun movie to watch. Um, it has some of those old vibes to the originals, and um, you can just tell that Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson being back together, how their masters masterpieces work together and flow together well. And um, Screen Four is definitely a good watch to add on to the Scream franchise. Yeah, I, and I I kind of echo that that sentiment. I don't I don't know if it's as good as as one. I might favor two a little bit more, but there are some things in here that I think is just great. Um, I think it is better than Scream 3. But much like you, the first time I saw Scream 4 was in the theater. Uh, I saw it at the Thursday night showing with the night it came out. I was with Hunter Cone, Holly, and our friend Jamie at the Wilson Theater. And I remember being super pumped for it because, I, like I mentioned, I wasn't a big fan of Scream 3, and the rumors were this was going to be a start of a new trilogy, not to mention this was the return of Kevin Williamson. Uh, and I purposely avoided like all the spoilers and leaks for this movie because I wanted to be surprised when I saw this movie because while spoilers don't really bother me for movies, it's different with the Scream franchise because part of the fun is trying to figure out who the killer or killers is or are. Uh, plus this was my favorite scream or my first scream movie in the theater too. So like, I mean, this is going to be an, an incredible experience and I remember liking it quite a bit actually. And was generally, you know, shocked at the killer reveal, which I thought was no pun intended, mm-hmm. pretty killer. I thought, you know, it was a return to the franchise with the gore being, you know, way heavier than in three, and the writing feeling more like Kevin Williamson with the cleverness being returned and the teeth being restored to it. And I'm not being as heavily, um, you know, or not being as heavy with the jokes or the, the silliness. Uh, I watch it now. And in many ways, I think this movie was way ahead of its time in terms of the commentary of the unexpected being the new norm when it comes to franchises and that being the new cliche and, you know, that is something that we see all the time now, I think. And whether it was done purposefully or not, how often we see like a brutal kill in this movie and it's followed by a joke to bring levity to the moment, something the MCU does in almost all their movies. Plus, you also get the comments on social media and that it would be the future with people documenting their like every move and that being, you know, a way people get famous. Uh, while I don't think this movie reaches the highs of Scream 1 or or, or 2, it's not as scary as 2, I, I think its cleverness brings it up to Scream 2, uh, Scream 2 level. It's far better, I think, than Scream 3, not to continue to dogpile on Scream 3. Like I said, we still kind of enjoy watching that movie, but I, I really enjoy the heck out of this movie, and I thought it brought the franchise back to where it needed to be even if it wasn't as scary as one or even two yeah i concur with that you know four being when four came out i was obviously in college at the time so it wasn't really scary but you know just being such a fan of one two and even three sometimes you know seeing four for the first time and my first screen movie in, in theaters for the first time you know i went in with a sense of hope in it and obviously i came out very satisfied um, because you know it, it like it is up there with two not as good as one and um, you could definitely tell that Kevin was back and all the cleverness in it and then the reveal at the end I mean they got me for sure me too man like that that 
that was a shocker ending because I, you know that's that's Emma Roberts. Rightfully <laughs> so. I mean, that's what Scream is, and that's what it does to us, and that's why I like it so much. I mean, yeah, they gave us. I think she's my she's probably my second favorite Ghostface behind Stu. I'm hoping. Uh, well, Billy and Stu, I, I count as number one. Yeah, her, I count as number two, and she's she's great. Yeah. Um, I, I think she was wonderful, and that, that again, that the, that turn, that reveal, the, got the me. last person I thought would be the killer. Yeah, because the entire movie they're setting her up to be the new Sydney, exactly. and then it's like, nope. But the Rotten Tomato score on this movie, man, it sits at sixty percent, so it's barely a positive. Um, with the consensus being the franchise is showing its age, but Scream Four is undeniably undeniably an improvement over its predecessor with just enough meta humor and clever kills. So the kills, I don't know if are necessarily clever, but they are certainly violent in this movie. Far more. And this movie, I think, I think aside from three probably has the most meta-ness. Yeah. And you Um, know, it's dumb high school kids going through a change in society with social media and stuff. And, um, Yep, you could just tell that that was when I was in high school too. So it's like I'm seeing this, and it's like, yeah, that's pretty much you're capturing what it was like when I was in high school, which was right on the cusp of it blowing up. I mean, it was already huge, but it was about to become even bigger. Yeah, I mean, I remember I didn't even get a Facebook until the end of my senior year of high school, and never had a MySpace before that. So like, I really didn't get into social media until I got into college and right. I was a freshman in college when this came out. So, yeah, and there is something I, I want to point out. Like the score on this movie, like all right, like I said, it's sixty percent, right? But the audience score is low. It's like fifty six. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm genuinely like curious as to why. I know the first and and second one. Or the second one has a rotten score from the fans. The third, third one does, and this one does. First one, I think, is like the only one that has a positive rating, and it's it's. I mean, that is such a high bar to reach. Yeah. But I don't think any of these movies are that bad. Like even we said last week, we wouldn't give Scream. Was it Scream Three had like a forty or close to a forty percent? Mm-hmm. That's pretty low. Yeah. I don't know. So that I don't really agree with this score. Um, in my personal opinion, I think it sits in the high 70s. But you're talking to a Scream fan, um, so yeah. I'm being biased. Um, but I could, especially nowadays, if you put a, like if you were, this new movie coming out in January, if you were to put Scream 5, I guarantee it wouldn't do as big as it does just being called Scream again. And we've kind of seen this reoccur now with all these new horror movies coming out. Um Reestablishing franchises, whether it be Stephen King's It, the Halloween franchise now, um, they're moving away from, you know, Friday the 13th, Part 9, Friday, um, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 11. They're, they're readapting these names. So I think having that four behind Scream is why is, there could be a lot of bad ratings on it. A lot of people went and, probably went and saw this movie that had not seen the first three and thought it. They didn't make any sense. They're not used to what Scream is. So there could be numerous reasons yeah. as to why this, this score is low. But in my personal opinion, I think it should be in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd probably probably lean to 
a little lower than two, not by much. I forget the actual score I gave two, but I just I I I I don't get it. Like I don't know. I I, I don't get it. I I do think that you know this movie came out ahead of its time, and that could be a contributing factor. You know, I think this movie has aged very well mm-hmm. in terms of the meta ness. And the stuff that it kind of predicted. I think if you were to put something like this out right now, it would be better received. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I really do. So do I. But let's move into some fun facts here. This is not really a fun fact, but as hinted at earlier, uh, this was the last film directed by Wes Craven uh, before he died of brain cancer. So screw cancer. Seriously. It's no good. But he leaves behind a legacy of wonderful films that have impacted millions of people. So. Yeah. Huge respect for Wes Craven, man. He's put out some really great content. And I'm really excited to see about this new screen because these two new directors who I'm big fans of have um, almost kind of dedicated this movie to Wes and want to make Wes proud and want to honor his legacy for the screen franchise so much even, you know, they had to talk to the original cast, the three main stars, and for them to come back and give that blessing, I think it speaks huge volumes. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they even dedicated uh, a character's name to him in the movie, mm-hmm. Wes, yeah, Wes, played by the actor who's in uh, 13 Reasons Why. Dylan Minnette. Yep. Uh in the deleted scenes, or one of the deleted scenes, Dewey explains to Gail that Neil Prescott has passed away since appearing in Scream 3, and this was the first time Sidney has returned to Woodsboro since his death, hmm. which is why he's not in the movie. I didn't know uh, that. Yep. And that, that's why he's not in the movie. I often wondered, like, why is she just staying with this random aunt that we're just meeting for the first time. And now it's like, okay, now that I know this is a scene that was cut that existed, it well, that makes sense. Yeah. Probably you should have added it in though to make it make sense. Yeah. I, I, I've never had Scream 4 on DVD, so I've never seen any of the deleted scenes. I'd be curious to see what else is on there. I need to check it out. I didn't actually have time to sit down and uh, I watched the movie twice, but I didn't have time to actually sit down and watch all the behind the scenes features and stuff. There's quite a few on there. Screenwriter Kevin Williamson had repeated clashes with Weinstein's resulting in them once again, hiring Aaron Kruger to do rewrites and the script varied heavily from the original draft. So there's a bunch of fun facts here that deal with this entire thing, right? If you ask Wes Craven, much of the main ideas, the story, and the concepts of the movie were written by Williamson with only minor changes made by Kruger. But there was quite a bit of changes in particular to the end of the film. This film was intended to be the first of a new trilogy and pre-production of the film film had already gone underway after the film's release with the main cast of Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Marley Shelton, and Hayden Panettiere reprising their roles because it was supposed to be revealed that Kirby survived. Uh, unfortunately, with Wes Craven's you know death and then the combined 
um, with the Scream TV series serving as a franchise reboot, these it led to these plans being abandoned. Now, the original plans, this is a rumor, um, but it was rumored that the original, this movie was supposed to end with Sydney dying. Yeah, I remember hearing that. And so Jill Sydney dies. Do what? And uh, wasn't Jill supposed to survive and carry on? Jill was supposed to survive, and this next trilogy was going to be about her getting more famous, essentially, and supposed to be about the character of uh, Kirby finding out that it was indeed Jill who did all this stuff. And in fact, Courtney Cox was supposed to be dead as well. That was a rumor. Um, and honest, honestly, I kind of would have loved that ending. Like, could you imagine leaving the theater thinking, Oh my God, Sydney's gone, which I mean, it would have sucked. I love Sydney, but could you imagine like a trilogy from the villains perspective? That would be cool. It would be really cool. I mean, it would be hard to pull off, but it could be, it could have been done. And that was again, rumor supposed to be the original ending of this film was supposed to be Gail dies. And so does Sydney. Dewey lives. Jill gets away with it, but she doesn't actually kill Kirby. Hmm. That, that to me, that it, it would have been interesting. Um, but again, saying the idea is, is different. Like the idea can be cool, but if the execution is bad, then it could it could be really, really bad. But Hearing that, and that was going to be their plans, it makes the ending and the twist of this film make a little bit more sense. Because the ending of this movie, it it ends and it feels very anticlimactic to what we just watched. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the ending in the hospital. Yeah. It, it feels tacked on. Mm-hmm. It really does. But... Speaking of this, um, this same rewrite, according to Wes Craven on the director's commentary, the original opening would have taken place at a party celebrating Sydney's completion of her book, during which Goface would attack her and Sydney would have been badly stabbed. And the rest of the film would have taken place three years later. However, the opening was vetoed by Bob Weinstein, who thought the time jump disrupted the flow of the film. And I could see that. Yeah. Um, plus, I like the endings we get, yeah, me too. or the openings we get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, lots of planning. It's a miracle any movie ends up being good. Lots of planning happens. There's a lot of shuffling around, and uh, you know, despite the shuffling, again, if that script was indeed true and the reshoots happened and everything like that, then yeah, that like they they still pulled out a really good movie. But it does feel like a like a more of a reunion film mm. because of that and less so of a start of something new. Cause mm. at the end of this movie, they don't really start anything new and you don't really get anything new until of course we get scream coming out in January, which seems like a completely different story. Yeah. That's, that's something I never really thought about, but you kind of hit it on, you know, it does seem like a reunion in a way. It kind of follows the same pattern as the first one. Yeah. It's, kind of teasing what horror was going through at the time with there being so many reboots and sequels and remakes. That's kind of the, one of the big commentary facts of this movie. 
At around 55 minutes, the footage from the stab includes the credit of Robert Rodriguez's film. This is a film by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez, as we talked about, uh, really did direct the footage and also made Grindhouse with co-stars and Scream with Rose McGowan and Marley Shelton, Planet Terror. That's crazy. Robert Rodriguez was the one that did the stabs. Yep. Yep. I've never heard of Grindhouse, though. What's that about? Oh, Grindhouse is awesome. So it was two movies combined into one feature, and it came out in theaters in 2007. And it's one of my favorite theater experiences. I went to go see it with my dad. I convinced him to go take me to see it. Totally <laughs> not my dad kind of movie. But I, I loved it. Um, and it was Planet Terror, and then you had Robert uh, Quentin Tarantino's film uh, Death Proof. Looking at it right here, Josh Brolin's in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a huge cast, and for the longest time, I could never find the two movies together on physical media. But last year, I found out that they came out with a Blu-ray of the original theatrical version of the two films combined with with the fake trailers in it. And I was like, oh, I got to grab that. So I, I grabbed it and I now watch it <laughs> almost, I say every Halloween, but I've only watched it last Halloween. So I'm, it's going to be a tradition. I'm going to watch it every Halloween. That's crazy. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to check it out, Dickens. We will. <laughs> Uh, Selena Gomez was considered for the role of Jill Roberts. How would you have felt wow. about that? Wow. Yep. That's two, two, 2011. I mean, she's she was still a Disney star. She was huge, yeah. That would have been crazy to see her in Scream 4 coming fresh off Disney. And being the yeah. villain, no less. That's true, too. Talk about changing up wow. your image. <laughs> Seriously. Um, she was supposed to be rumored for the... Um, this new scream coming out, but yeah, it wasn't it rumored that like, she's like the opening kill or something like that. Yeah. But we know now that's not true. Cause yeah. we know who the opening kill is now. Yeah. I don't know if I could have, could have seen her pull it all. I mean, maybe, maybe who knows? It definitely would have been, it would have had the same effect as Emma Roberts. I yeah, think. Emma Roberts did very good. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of which she auditioned for this film, mostly out of nostalgia as she grew up, watching the Scream movies, uh, though she is scared of horror films in her life. She also wanted to s- step out of her comfort zone and play against type, having mainly done family films prior, and that's true. And she's also like, the, I think she's like the niece of Julia Roberts or something like that. She is, yeah. So like you're really, again, like we just talked about with Selena Gomez, going against type. So, and it, it perfectly fits. But I, again, I... I, I prefer Emma Roberts in this role, I think. Yeah. And I think Selena Gomez might have been a little too young. A little too on the opinion. nose, too. Like yeah. with the, the flipping of the switch. But, again, it might have hit brilliantly in 2011. Yeah. Unlike, yeah. unlike nearly every other character in the franchise, the fate of Kirby was never confirmed. According to Wes Craven... The shooting script included a scene near the end where Kirby is revealed to have survived, but the scene was cut during production. Later on, the DVD commentary, uh, Craven stated, as you can see, Hayden was still moving, not saying she's coming back for sure. So, and the plan was to bring her back. And she's a really awesome character. 
she is. I, she's probably my favorite character in Scream Four. Yep, mine um, too. Honestly, and um, there's still kind of hope, I guess, that she could come back for the new Scream. Yeah, um, they're always trying to make us guess, especially with the, the Selena Gomez stuff, and um, maybe hand painted here, maybe um, Matthew Lillard in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's still kind of out there. Yeah, I mean, maybe she'll she'll pop up and and scream. Maybe, but. Before we get to our award section, guys, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. We really appreciate that. But we are going to move on to our award section, and we're going to start off with favorite scenes and moments. And there are more than I thought there would be. Same thing with Scream 2 as well. In fact, I think Scream 2 and 4 have more favorite scenes than I did for the original Scream although I prefer that one over them. So that, that's a little strange conundrum there. But the first thing I have listed here is the mini cold opens. I thought, I thought this was brilliant because the first time I saw this, I knew something was up just because of how quickly things were escalating and how cheesy it felt too. Like it jumps right in there and you're already hearing the phone ring. At least I was hoping something was up, you know, because it did feel a little like Scream 3-ish and I was like, oh, oh no. Oh no, not not again. But the comments on Saul were great. Not only is it, you know, commenting on the endless sequels we got from that, but just how repetitive the state of horror at this time was, you know. I, I not to take away from how much I really love the first three, uh, but after that they kind of became torture poor and just wasn't scary or intriguing. Do you feel the same way about the Saul franchise? I know we're talking about Scream, but I like the Saw franchise. Um, I don't know why, but I would go every year to watch the Saw's in theaters. I, I did too. Watch them now. I just don't enjoy them as much as I did like in high school. Yeah. I don't know what it was <laughs> about them, man. I, I, I really enjoy like the twist aspect of Saw, kind of like Scream. Yeah. But it's a very overwhelming movie to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's so brutal, man. It's so gruesome. Uh, but what do you think about the opening of this? Like, did you pick up on it or not really? The first one I did not. And the first, from what I remember watching in theaters 10 years ago, um, the, uh, that, that, that first kill, I guess that was stab six. I really somewhat liked, it wasn't as good as the, um, the first two, um, opening scenes, um, like I said, it kind of got had that same vibe of Scream Three in a way, and then when it said it was Stab Six, and it went to the two blonde girls on the couch, I knew this one was fake too. Yeah, as soon as it went to uh, Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell, I was like, "Yeah, this has got to be fake." Yeah, uh, this has got to be fake because those are two really big actresses, but. I, I did enjoy as soon as you, as soon as I saw them, I knew it was going to be fake and I did enjoy seeing them in the movie. Although I, I would have loved to see them in the actual screen movie because they're both really good actresses yeah. and perfect actresses for this franchise too. But finding out once we get to like the actual first kill, we found out Sydney sued. So everything after step three is, is fiction. It's not real. The conversation on the phone 
I really feel like is throwing shade at Scream 3 with the whole, this isn't a comedy, it's a horror film bit. Yeah. Love the callback to Scream 1 with the garage door. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes about as much sense as that one did with the whole death of it all. Like it crushes her spine or something like that. She can't move. Right. And the other one has enough force to break what's her face's neck. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, <laughs> Still cool though. Yeah. Definitely not up there though. With, I actually enjoyed Scream 3's opening probably a little better. I did too. Uh, the actual now, opening that is. Yeah. Um, Cause you, you don't see the other girl die. No. You just see her laying on the ground with a stab wound. Yeah, she gets um, thrown so, in, into the window. Right. Um, so you don't get to see that. And then the the second kill is kind of not that great in a way. Um, but they did give homage to the first one with the garage and stuff. But yeah. definitely my least favorite opening opening scene. Yeah. But those, those fake-out openings were great. Oh, yeah. That was... That was that was a nice kind of laughter to start the movie out. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was it was pretty clever. They're always trying to they're they're always trying to trick you in some way. Yeah, and they got me. That that first one got me, but I I I, I could tell something was up, but I didn't know for sure. But they they definitely had me hooked. Um, meeting Judy Hicks. So I like this sequence only really for one line, man. And it's one generation of tragedy is another joke. And the reason I like it is because it's funny to me and very meta on how, you know, we often view the past through like those rose tinted uh, glasses. Remember in Scream 2, they all joke about the events that happened in Scream 1. Um, so I just like the subtext of that line. thought it was pretty clever. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about Judy Hicks and her uh, and her uh, uh, lemon squares? I love it even more when Gail calls her out on it. I do too. <laughs> your lemon, your lemon squares taste like ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she's totally flirting with him, and she's kind of a little home wrecker, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't lie. Every time she says "ain't cheating on your wife," you if you eat my lemon square, like I feel like I have to say that's what she said. <laughs> Gail struggling to write. I think this this adds dimensions to the character of Gail in a lot of ways because it shows her struggling post Scream Three. You know, she's decided to live in a small town, you know, and live a small town life, and is you know trying to move on. But it's clear she's struggling with with that, and her and Dewey are struggling, pretty much struggling too. Yeah, and you know, Gail almost takes a backseat to Dewey's life now. Um, as you as you we saw from the transition from Scream One to Two, Dewey couldn't keep up with Gail, and when they kind of broke up, but now it's the opposite. They're married. Gail can't write. Dewey's being successful as a as a sheriff of Woodsboro. Yeah, there's no there's no crime going on. All is well for him. So yeah, you, you definitely see a new side of Gail in this movie. Yeah, you do, and again it. That's why I thought for sure she wasn't going to make it out of this movie because they were setting her up to have, you know, the arc of the the emotional tie of the movie, and then she was going to get killed off, and it was going to be like that Randy moment where he gets murdered in two, and you're like, oh no, mm-hmm. but no, they didn't didn't do it. Hall pass with my uh, with Robbie. Would you be a subscriber to Hall Pass with Robbie Dickens? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's, he's definitely in my top three characters in this movie. Dude, he's he's hilarious. I, I he love this. Because in many ways, though, this predicted the future of live streamers. Uh, also, the movie buff live streamers, podcasters. So I find that pretty funny. This was, you know, in 2011, and that wouldn't really boom until like two years or so. So it was, again, ahead of its time in predicting that. And I also love the line from Charlie, the, she wants me. <laughs> <laughs> she wants me, man. She was flirting with me. <laughs> I like Charlie, too. Yeah, Charlie is, uh, he, he's he's good. I, he, I wish we could have seen more of him as, you know, the villain if mm-hmm. you will, but uh, I was going to bring that villains. up in this podcast. Do what? I said I was going to bring that up in this podcast. I think he's one of the best killing ghost faces. Well, he has a lot of good kills. Yes, he does. But you don't get a lot of dialogue from him once you find out he's the killer and he dies so quickly. Yeah, he he's he's very much done away with pretty quickly. Uh, and takes the back seat to Jill, which is the bigger reveal. Which, in many ways, it's like if Sydney and Randy were the culprits of Scream. Yeah. Or one of the versions of Randy, because he's kind of a Randy, but then so is uh, his hey, friend, hey, hey, Robbie, and then so is um, Herbie. Hey, yeah. So there's like three different versions of those in this movie. Uh, Gail versus uh, Judy outside of Dewey's office. So we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but the <laughs> lemon squares taste like ass. <laughs> it was perfect. Um, and she has no mercy, but I do love the new dynamic between Dewey and Gail. It's, it's different now because he's the sheriff and he can't let his personal feelings cross between his work. You know, he's kind of putting up healthy boundaries and standing up for himself, which is very different from what he did in Scream 1 and 2 and 3. Um, I do understand Gail's frustration, though. You know, they've done this three times together, and she probably feels like he's just writing her off and doesn't want her help like he wanted it before and kind of might make her feel a little useless. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of heartbreaking. It's kind of a heartbreaking scene in many ways. Yeah, and I think it might even lead into the new Scream because there's rumor that Gail and Dewey aren't together. In the new screen. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels that way. Yeah, and um, but every every movie we see Gail in somebody's face arguing about something. In three, it was with Parker Posey's character. Yes, she had the hots for Dewey, and now um, Deputy uh, Hicks has the hots for Dewey now, and Gail's beefing with her. The first two was always with Sydney. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see who Gail's gonna get face-to-face with in this new one. I'm interested to see it, too. Um, whoever it is, they, they are unfortunate. Uh, Gail giving Rebecca a what for. So this is, it's a very small moment, but it's very reminiscent of the moment in Scream 2 with Mrs. Loomis. You know, the whole, <laughs> she she uh, says, you know, giving her backhanded compliments and then Gail just lets her have it. It's like, I'm going to rearrange your face or readjust your career. Why she say exactly? I, I don't remember. Yeah, it's something like, I'm going to rearrange your uh, career or restart your career. Something along those lines. 
and it, it's it's freaking awesome and then i love how she walks away she's just like i still got it like an action star it's pretty cool dewey and sydney catch up i got scars too no one ever asked about my scars that's some foreshadowing for what will be the main reason behind what's you know what's going on and what is the underlining reasoning for jill what will be her reasoning for doing what she's doing Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie does help with repeat viewings because you notice the little details that they lay throughout the movie. But it is nice to see uh, Dewey and Sydney catching up. You know, in many ways, he's like the older brother she never, never had. Um, it's also an insight into him and Gail and that their marriage just really, really isn't going so hot. Yeah. Yep. Um, what do you think about Olivia's murder? This is like brutal very probably one of the first brutal kills um besides my screen two opener which is pretty brutal and i guess the screen one opener too yeah um, this this is this is up there with the brutal murder top five for sure yeah she she gets her insides ripped out yeah she like gets stabbed in the hand the shoulder thrown on the the dresser she get kicked into like another dresser at one point and like then just gets gutted like yeah. repeatedly stabbed in the stomach and then gutted like it's horrific yeah that was, and that was that was charlie too man yeah, that was him yeah. you don't get the recognition no it, it's you know but i do love the the touch of sydney at this point now knowing what's up and she just runs in there um yeah and that, again that's what makes her great uh the conversation Sydney has with Ghostface is another indication of what we'll get, you know, um, at the end with the always thinking it's about you talk that they have. The this isn't a fucking movie. Oh, it will be, you know. And to me, on like rewatching the movie and listening to his voice, it's it's very interesting what Roger Jackson is doing because he's playing this character. Because mm-hmm. it's exactly like Rory Culkin would have delivered that line. Yep. Perfect. But really, really intense scene. Very, very gnarly. So par- I put this in here because parking garages are always very creepy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a creepy setting. And I love how you can tell who's doing what kills in the movie. Again, we kind of talked about this. It's very clear that this is Jill because Ghostface is very biting and sarcastic and then gets really crazy. Like can turn it up to 11. Yeah. Um, but I do have questions. Why doesn't Rebecca just drive when Ghostface is, you know, is on top of the car? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really like Rebecca in the first place. I'm glad she got got in screwed for. Yeah. Um, also, why does, why does she get out of the car? Cause she wants to die. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Like it's ridiculous. But her body being thrown off the building, I think, is wild, but in like a scream way. Unlike the bomb explosion in three, this one totally makes yeah. up for that. I think it's it's great. Absolutely. Would you be a member of Cinema Club, Dickens? Probably not. I, I probably would. <laughs> probably would have. Uh, I love the Nintendo Wii shout out in this. <laughs> It's like my favorite gaming console. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible at Wii Bowling. 
Yeah. I could uh I could throw some shrugs back in my day. Oh yeah. Get a turkey. <laughs> Making them gobble, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I really like this because the line it says what's it says? Your film your or you film your entire high school experience and post it on the net. Everyone will be doing it someday. Like I think this line was very prophetic in many ways. And then also she calls mm-hmm. the computers the net. Which I found, I thought was yeah. pretty funny. Um, little, uh, little little nineties uh, gab there. <laughs> yeah, this movie again, it's so ahead of its time. Uh, but I, this line right here, there are still rules, but the unexpected is a new cliche. Again, this you know couldn't be more true now. You know, I say since two thousand eleven, this has really been the biggest trend I've seen in movies. Stuff that would you know shock moviegoers in the '90s is really now very much a cliche in movies, and the stuff that was a cliche then is now not done as much. In some ways, I think that's very good, but snuff now can sometimes feel like it's trying to abide by a checkbox of talking points, character tropes, character arcs, etc., which isn't a good thing, and, and can feel you know forced and unnatural. The shock is now new. Pro- predictable in, in in many ways and i think people have gotten wise to that with with the twists now being the way that they are yeah um but that's why i think this scene is so great it, it feels very kevin williamsy you know i mm-hmm. i don't know if he i mean there was a couple of rewrites on this film but he does have sole credit to writing it so i'm assuming this was his yeah um i love the idea of a stabathon. So do I, man. Would you do would you do a screamathon? I would. I would too. Be freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Stabathon, that kind of brings us to our next scene. Stabathon. Uh, I thought I think I think this whole entire setup is fantastic. Like they're watching they're all what it's like a, they have like two kegs there, they're all cosplaying. Mm-hmm. Uh as different uh characters either real life victims which is messed up if they're doing that or uh stab movie uh victims so it'd be an interesting mixture between like true crime uh true crime fans and horror movie fans or b movie fans it would be a very odd mixture yeah yeah. but go ahead no you go ahead I mean, go back to the Stabathon, man. I love the Stabathon aspect. You know, it's taking you to almost that final party scene, but this is kind of like the pregame to it. Everyone's going to the Stabathon to set up the big conclusion and stuff. And, um, you know, Kirby talks down about the Stabathon, but yet she's a huge Stab fan. Yeah. <laughs> I, always, like, I always thought that was really funny. I think she was mostly talking down, like, about the crew that were there, not necessarily the movies, but like the group of people that were there. But she herself yeah. was a huge fan of it too. But honest to God, I thought Gail was going to die in this movie, in this part. Cause you know, when you see the trailer, this yeah. part was shown and she was like, go ahead and do it. Or she said something along those lines. And I thought, okay, she's done here. This is it. This is her movie. And it was a nice fake out having her live. Did you expect her to die at all, or not really? For sure, I thought she was going to bite the bull. I thought they would, they would knock off one 
I still think they're going to knock off one in this new one. And they might, might trick us again. But, yeah, I remember seeing Gale in the, in the trailer. And this was kind of a giveaway and stuff. But ends up being that she does survive it. And um, rightfully so. I mean, she does pretty well in this movie. She she does a lot better in this movie than she did in Scream Three, in my opinion. Yeah, she was she was really good in this movie, and she's given a lot more meaty stuff to do. I think. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I did not. I was just gonna talk about Dewey, but we'll get to it in a little bit. All right, all right. Ghostface attacks Sydney. I think the phone call is great. Uh, I love how Roger Jackson, again, does such a great job playing the different versions of Ghostface that are in this movie, whether it's Charlie or whether it's Jill. Like He does a really good job of playing whoever's doing whichever is killing. So on hindsight, repeat viewings, you can sense that uh, character's performance or that actor's performance in him while he's doing Ghostface and the dialogue. It's very nice. Definitely. Um, I think Kate getting murdered is is messed up, especially especially because we know Jill's the one who did it, killed her own mom. Hey man, gosh, brutal. Seriously, man. Next scene is is kind of a big one, man. Uh, it's the after party. So this is very reminiscent and very anti the ending of the original Scream, right? And they do that on purpose. There's that dialogue exchange where. Uh, Kirby calls this the anti-party. So, like, it kind of makes sense with what they were doing there. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack here, dude. You have Trevor showing up unexpectedly. Uh, Robbie gets plastered, you know, then video blogs drunk. Kirby and Charlie almost hook up, but Trevor, you know, beaver dams Kirby. <laughs> and Robbie gets murdered. Uh all of it just it works so well for a reboot. The phone call of Kirby, I think, is, is fantastic and it is a total throwback to the OG scream with you know Kirby rattling off all the those horror films so fast. It's honestly it's an it's an, a very impressive performance by Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. She kills it in the scene, man. It does very, very well. She does, man. Again, it's it's a callback to the first scream where Drew Barrymore famously got that answer wrong about Mrs. Voorhees being the killer. The reveal of Charlie is one of the killers is is a great twist. I was not expecting that. Uh, I hate how they kind of did Kirby dirty though. Uh, they never show her die, so maybe she shows up again, like we talked about. Maybe she's in Scream Five, but you know, don't know. We'll we'll. We'll, we'll see in January, I guess. The reveal of Jill being the killer literally had me shook. We've, we've talked about that a little bit already. Like my instant reaction to that was just I my mouth was on the floor. Like yeah, was not expecting it at all. Yeah, and you know, watching Scream Four and knowing how the Scream movies work, you. When it gets to the end, you start to narrow down who you think the killer is. And I kind of had an idea it was going to be Charlie because I knew they were setting up the boyfriend as the red herring. But I knew there was going to be two, and I and I could not figure out who the other who the other person might have been. And they even kind of threw a wrench in it for Charlie when he was tied up um, with Kirby and stuff and making it look like he's not the killer. Um, but it was still kind of in the back of my mind. But Jill was the last person. I thought yeah. it was going to be the killer. 
Same. Like, and if you and if you go back and watch, you can see some parts where Jill is associated in some stuff. Like, for instance, the Olivia kill. Uh, Kirby's talking to Ghostface on the phone, and you can kind of see Jill's phone like she's filming the murder. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's throughout the entire entire movie. There's little cues you can. Like watching it twice, there's little cues that directly point at her being the killer. But because of who she was, I just was not expecting that in the way that she was, you know, building this movie. I just wasn't expecting it. Uh, but she's totally psycho in the same way, a little different than Billy. Billy was, but similar. You know, she's very just. I mean, she's crazy. And shooting her ex Boo, she shoots him right in the dick. Like. Oh my god! Ouch! And then, like, I just—I think it's wild. She stabs uh, Charlie right in the heart. Yeah, that's something else that Sydney mentioned too. You know, Charlie didn't think it all the way through because he thought that you know Jill and him were going to be the sole survivors, but Jill wanted it like Billy and Stu, and for her to be the sole survivor. Mm-hmm. And so she turns on Charlie. And Charlie looks at City for confirmation, and she's like, she told you. Yeah. Just like Billy and Stu. And um, then Joe gets away with it, almost. Yep. Yeah. I mean, almost gets away with it. Um, I think, huge you know. Pro- huge props to Jill Roberts. Jill Roberts or Emma Roberts? Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts. Huge props to her, man, because she plays that good victim side like Sydney all the way through the movie, and then she just – flips that switch in mm-hmm. that in that final scene man and just goes hardcore yeah turns it up to 11 and in many ways what charlie says you know she's he calls it the you know the perfect villain uh, victim you know becoming the new sydney that's it's very twisted in a lot of ways um it would take me hours to unpack or take us hours to unpack on this pod um but I love the the twist of her too, turning on Charlie, like we said. Like it just shows how far she's willing to go. You know, she wants all the fame and glory. Um, this quote in particular to me is, I think it's great. She says, "What am I supposed to do? Go to college? Go to uh, grad school? Work? Look around? We all live in a public now. We're all on the internet. How do you think people become famous anymore?" You don't have to achieve anything. You just got to have fucked up shit happen to you. Like, see, just like Billy and Stu misreading the movies, she's misreading this. She's the villain. If her plan worked out, she would eventually get found out. But still, that line to me is is shocking. And in many ways, she's right. People do get famous for doing stupid things. Um, To me, that's what makes Jill compelling as, you know, Ghostface is, in my opinion, the second best one uh jill you know going on and then beating herself up liar liar style or fight club even like dear god i remember i was watching this i'm thinking to myself there's no way something's gonna happen they're not gonna end the movie like this and looking back i think to myself man how crazy would it have been if this movie just ended like that Mm -hmm. like oh she pulls her hair out, scratches herself, or she's using somebody else's body to do that. Stabs herself, runs like into the wall, like where a picture is, and then throws herself on the glass table. And then even like the little detail of like 
placing her hand like right beside uh Gales is Sydney's. or yeah, excuse me, Sydney's is is wild. Mm-hmm. She does very well in it, man. Just it's like you said, man, just her going through all that just to get famous, like beating herself up, liar liar style. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Um, and then for her to do that last little bit, the later hand, like she's a victim, is huge, man. It just really speaks volume of her, her character. And um, was very blown away by the performance and the cleverness of this yeah. whole entire scene. Yeah. It, this this ending is probably my I think my second favorite ending. Yeah, the after yeah, party. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I would put. I think I would put this right there, next to Scream One, obviously being the best one. I think. Um, yeah. But this ending is quite terrific. And then the last scene I have is the news anchor saying all those glowing things about Jill again, much like you know the other Scream movies minus three. I think. This movie throws a lot of shade at media, and uh, this shot at the end is probably the most glaring case of it <laughs> in any mm-hmm. uh, any of the movies. But out of all these scenes, Dickens, which one is your favorite? What well, we just talked about the yeah. final the final after party scene, man. Just just a home run, in my opinion. There's some there's some there's some stuff throughout the movie they could have done more more to. I like the whole stabathon aspect of the movie, the classroom stuff, but the after party man really just hits the grand slam for me. Yep. Same here. Like I would say I thought about it for half a second thinking that cinema club was going to be my favorite scene. But then the more I started to think about it, I was like, "Mm, nah, it's the after party. Yeah. So like it's, again, it's my second favorite ending. So yeah, I'm in totally agreement with you, but moving on to worst scenes and moments, I have three listed. So Trevor, who is he? He only exists for one purpose only. And that is literally just to be a red herring. Mm -hmm. It is so obvious. No character development at all. No, he just stays creepy boyfriend the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And I really hope they don't do that to Jack Quaid, not saying that he's the killer or anything. I really hope not. I want to see some Jack Quaid and scream. Yeah, I, I want to see. I, I want to see all these people develop and scream. I want it to be like Scream One. Like when someone dies, I want to feel bad for that person. Yeah, like you don't want like to. Trevor dies and gets shot. Yeah, when Trevor gets shot in the penis, I didn't feel for him. I mean, I I did being a guy. Yeah, that would that that would probably hurt, but I didn't know Trevor as a character, so it yeah. didn't mean much to me. Exactly. And if we did care for that character, it probably would have been a little bit more to us. You know what I mean? It would probably would have affected us a lot more. And it, instead, it's just kind of shocking that, oh, damn, dude got his dick shot off. All right. <laughs> Deputy Perkins saying teenager can live next door to him. I think this is kind of gross. Like, <laughs> dude, she's like 16. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I didn't like the uh, two deputies, two great actors, Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson. I know, man. I, I didn't like their deaths, man. I thought it was poorly done. So I thought Adam Brody's death was, it sucked because he just got stabbed in the back. I did like Anthony Anderson's death. 
I like the Bruce Willis commander words. Fuck you, Bruce Willis. And then Mm -hmm. falls down. Yeah, it's... So, like, I know some people have have knacked that for, like, how realistic would that be? But apparently, like, Wes Craven, as I was doing some of the fun facts for this, looked it up and saw that someone actually got stabbed in the head and was able to take themselves to the hospital. Again, I, I don't know how true that is, but that was his one of the reasons he wanted to do the death in this movie because he thought it would have been kind of crazy to see. Yeah. And it was wild. It was kind of brutal. Just stabbed right in the forehead and then is kind of just waving around and then finally dies and says, fuck you, Bruce Willis. Uh, the ending hospital fight. I don't like this because I don't know what Jill's plan is. What's her plan? Just murder Sydney and somebody else did it? Because of yeah, course, I, like, I don't get it. It, it just yeah, kind of feels tacked on. Yeah, I I can remember liking this. I don't like it now, um, just because I know what the ending could have been if I could like if Jill had gotten away with it and stuff. But um, you know, we're so used to the ending scene being that like climatic one room, the killers are revealed, and now it's taking us beyond that to the hospital, and um, you know, there's no way this stuff would have happened in real life. Like um, Jill just hopping out of the freaking bed to go to another room to kill Sydney. Like if Sydney dies by being choked out or, or killed in any aspect, wouldn't nurses or doctors know about it? Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, like Jill's just going to magically walk back to her room and put her IV back in her arm. <laughs> right. Wouldn't they know that like, if she took her heart monitor off, wouldn't that alert them as well? Yeah. Like, they would be in that room, notice you're not there. Oh, you're murdering Sydney. Okay, so you're part of it as well. Okay. Yeah, it, it, none of it makes sense. It kind of feels tacked on, kind of rushed, feels cluttered and kind of clunky, and kind of undoes the awesomeness of the ending. Some of the awesomeness of the ending. But I do, I do like the line, don't fuck for the original. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. But out of all these scenes, man, which one is your least favorite? Unless you have something else to add. Oh, I, I have one more thing. It's not a scene or a moment, but there is a filter over this movie that I really don't like. A, is it a filter? There is a, a film filter over this. What's that? It, it just looks very like polished, has a very polished look to it. Like if you watch this movie, it has like this almost orangey, glowy Instagram filter over it it does i have noticed that yeah and i i don't like it I'm not a yeah, fan do I. I don't know the technical terms of that so but yeah, i'm not I have a fan noticed of that, that too look. it's very kind of like bright almost yeah it's like very very bright um but yeah just wanted to add that on there not a scene or a moment but a thing that it does indeed annoy me but other than that which out of all these is your your least favorite the ending hospital fight. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there, man. Yep. Best performance. Who you got? Hayden Panettiere. Same. She's great in this. Mm-hmm. She's great. She. I don't even want to say she's she's more than a. She's not a female Randy. She's more than that. You know what I mean? She has 
aspects of Randy, but like if Randy were cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's like if Randy were like a cool person, I guess. Yeah. Even though I love Randy, he's he's goofy. She's not yeah. really goofy. She's like super cool. She's badass, and she's in, and she's movie smart. Yeah, street smart. She just gets unlucky. Just gets very, very unlucky. Yep. But yeah, she she did the best, in my opinion, in this movie. She stands out. Um, and then I would just that to have a follow up second, I would say Emma Roberts. Yeah, she's also good too, man. It comes down really between those two. And they're both really good, but I just I, I love this character. I think she's great. And I, I know it we probably won't see her in, in Scream Five, but it would be awesome if we did. Yeah. See Kirby. Does this make sense of board? I only have one thing. And that is how would they know what Reynolds was Sydney's car? How would they know that? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I've never thought about that. Like, how would they know that that was her car, man? Like, they just they go there, or like she just got there that morning, right? Just picked mm-hmm. up her in her car. How, someone would have to walk by and drop off stuff. Like that just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Someone would see that, middle, and, and it's part of the. Middle of Main Street in Woodsboro. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody uh, saw this. We saw a strange guy just in a ghost face mask come in and drop a bunch of stuff in the back of your rental car. Yeah. Yeah. Made made no sense. Unless, of course, she stayed the previous night with uh, Jill. Then maybe Jill could have snuck into a room, grabbed her keys, unlocked the uh, trunk, and threw all the stuff in there. Then maybe. Yeah, I can see that. But the, the way the movie currently has it, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me, man. Yeah, I agree. All right. MVP. This is easy for me, man. It's Emma Roberts. Because, again, it's that unexpected thing that we talked about with like how, you know, even if it were, it probably would have been just as huge to me if it were Selena Gomez, like, this Disney star who you think is going to be like the new main star of the movie. And if it was a trilogy would have been the main star of the trilogy, but going against type and playing the murderer, you know, not playing the, the quote unquote final girls, you know, it's a, I, I think that, they played that so well. It was just so unexpected and so clever. And I thought Emma Roberts just freaking crushed it. I thought she did incredible. Uh, she plays like the, the final girl part very well, but she also plays the, I think she plays the, the killer part even better. I think she's terrifying and she's right up there with billions too. Um, I still prefer billions too, because that was the original, but Emma Roberts is just quite good, man. And if someone thought that, or someone thinks that that's their favorite ghost face, I can't argue that. It's like, yeah, uh, okay. I'm on board with that opinion for sure. So yep. that's why she, she wins the uh, MVP for me. 
Yeah, she does very well. I'm going to also throw in Kevin Williamson with him being back. Yeah. And you can definitely tell the differences between screen three and screen four. <laughs> Absolutely. But, Dickens, at the end of the day, why would you recommend this movie? Um, It's definitely a good watch. Definitely a good thriller. Keeps you on the edge of your seat, and it gives you that element of surprise and cleverness. Um, horror, meta, comedy. Um, and if you're a scream lover, this is right up there with uh, two. Not as good as one, but it's up there with uh, Scream 2. And just another um, notch on the on the screen belt. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I I think I think this is a, a terrific screen movie. It's to me, it's right up there with two. Might lean a little bit more towards two, but depending on the day, I might say Scream Four. Like I really like this movie a lot. It was a had a very clever twist ending in many ways. I think this movie was ahead of its time. I think it has aged wonderfully. It's it's got its teeth back. It's not Scream Three. It's a lot better. Um, again, not to dogpile on Scream Three. We still enjoy watching that movie. It's just not our favorite. And I don't know. I, I just think that this movie lived up to my expectations in a way that Scream Three didn't, and really delivered on being. If this would have been the final chapter in the Scream franchise, I would have been okay. You know, this would have been it. It was a really. Yeah. Really great reunion movie. Yeah, definitely. But that brings us to a close on our revisit of the Scream series. But it's not the end, as Scream 2022 will be arriving in theaters January 14th, directed by the guys who brought us Ready or Not. And the OG3 will be returning. So, Dickens, what are your thoughts on this new film? Um... You know, I've been following this film ever since Spyglass bought the rights to Scream. I think it was 2019. I think so. Um, and there was um, immediate rumors, oh, they're going to do a new Scream. And this is at the time where reboots, uh, this is right off the uh, cuff, Halloween 2018, the yeah. reboot. A very successful Halloween 2018. So, um why not try to revamp the Scream franchise, which was very successful. So when all that started to boil, I was getting super excited. And then it was just kind of a snowball effect. You know, these these two directors came in, Kevin Williams and signed on as an executive producer. The two guys that are writing it, I, feel, I can't remember their name off the top of my head, but they were very good. Um, and then to bring back the OG3, with this new cast assemble, because I think they got Jack Quaid was one of the first ones to sign on, and um, so I, was, I, I have a lot of hype going in this movie. I'm super excited to see what they do. Um, I'm about ninety percent sure it's going to be good. Um, there's still a little stuff that I'm scared about of what they're going to do. I wouldn't say scared. I just hope they don't do some stuff. Um, so. Yeah, I I'm really pumped for this movie like i said if scream 4 would have ended everything and that would have been it i I would have been fine with it but knowing that we get to revisit these characters that i love from my favorite horror film franchise i was i was pretty pumped at it especially once i found out it was going to come from the guys that brought us ready or not which i really really enjoyed in fact i was watching it earlier today like 
it's a, that that is a really really awesome horror movie. Uh, yeah. It perfectly blends that like scary and and horrific tone. It, it blends it very well, and I thought that they were a very inspired choice. Uh, and much like you, I'd followed around like I wonder who's you know who's going to be cast. When's it going to be filming? Of course, it was, it filmed in Wilmington while I was living there. Or close to there. I wasn't living in Wilmington. Um, I thought that was cool. And we really, you and I were so excited for that trailer, man. Like we've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but like we were almost like we were counting down. Like we even, Mm -hmm. we even saw like the, the leaked Spanish version of the trailer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which really didn't reveal much. You couldn't really see what was on there, but uh, I, it was, it was it, it lived up to my expectations and I think there it it gave us a little bit or a couple of I think it, it threw a couple of curveballs at us. Um yeah. for sure. Um do you have any bold predictions for the movie itself based off of what we saw in the trailer? Prediction I have is I think it'll tie back to the first one in some aspect, whether it's with the killers. Obviously, it's going to tie back because they're at Stu's house. Something's going to be connected with the original movie, and I think it's going to take place in the kitchen where the first one was. Um, I just don't know how it's going to tie in. I don't know if it's going to be like Stu's little brother or Billy's forgotten son. Um I don't know, but it's going to tie back to the first one in some aspect. Yeah, I, I think it will too. Uh, I, I think, especially because we, it looks like there's, like you said, Stu's kitchen at the end. It looks like it. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it again. I think, in terms of predictions, I think because we're back at Stu's house, I think Stu is going to somehow make his return. Especially because of the way the trailer's framed and everything like that, I do think Dewey will end up biting it. I think Dewey will die. Yes, <clears throat> I do. Especially with the scream that we see Courtney Cox give in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Gale. Like I, I think those are my two. I think my two predictions. I think Stu is going to be involved somehow. Maybe if, Billy's dead, but you know. Maybe a relative or something. Yeah. Um, what are your fears for it? Do you have any ones? Any particular ones that stand out? I hope it's not the same storyline as the first one. Because yeah. um, I, I know they're going to be looking at the new cast. Melissa Barrera, Dylan Minnette, um, General Ortega, Jack Quaid. And there's obviously a lot of Eyes open on Jack Quaid as one of the killers. Um, he's already has that red herring tag as the, the boyfriend, boyfriend of Melissa Barrera. Yep. So if he's tied in and Melissa Barrera is the new leading girl and he's doing it because something happened and it's kind of the same storyline as the first one, that stuff kind of scares me. But I don't think these new directors would do that. Uh, I think they're going to try to make s- – give respect to the first one, but kind of have its own little storyline with it. Um, so I'm interested to see how that'll play out. I just hope it's not 
super spot on with the first one. I want that element of surprise in there. Yeah, I I hope you mentioned it, but I hope they don't turn Jack Quaid into the killer. You hope they do not. I hope they do not. Why? It's too it's too obvious. Oh, okay. So not 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 because of Jack Quaid, just because it'd be too obvious. Yeah. Yeah, not because of Jack Quaid. I think he would I think he could pull that off perfectly. Uh, he's a very good actor. I highly recommend watching The Boys if you haven't. But he's great on that. But I think it would it would be too obvious with the whole boyfriend thing. Uh, my fear is that, kind of similar to yours, is that it is a copy paste of the original, and no surprises. I won't ima- I won't mind any homages and stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff. I, I I would hate it if it's just beat for beat the same movie, like you know, the Psycho remake. It's literally the exact same movie. No. Do you have any hopes? My hope is that it's gonna be as good as the first one. Like I like I want it. I want it to be right there. Um, I will I be. I will be happy if it's as good as two and four. I will be over the moon if it's as good as the first one. Yeah. And you know, I've I've watched a few videos on YouTube from some, from, from some different guys who are bigger bigger screen fans than me probably. And they've talked a lot about what to expect, what they hope to expect in a way. And um, they mentioned that this one, like if you're going to relaunch relaunch the franchise and do another trilogy, five, six, and seven, which is, I think, the plan, You, this one is going to have to pay some homage to the original one. Yeah. Bring those last OGs in, maybe kill off one. And then the next one is when they can kind of do their own thing with Scream, these two directors, and not have to worry about the OG cast anymore. They can rely on the Jack Quays and the Melissa Barreras yeah. leading into the next two. So I'm hoping that's how this is all going to play out. I would love to see that. Um, I'm really glad they're not focusing all that well on the three OGs, and they're going to give some more screen time and build some more characters I wouldn't doubt a, it if we that, see. I know you're not as, as into it, um, but Star Wars. It's it's very similar to how like Star Wars treated its big three with like Luke Han and Leia. I think each movie is going to focus on on one over the other. I think this one's going to focus heavy on Dewey. The next one's probably going to be Nev Campbell um, as as uh, Sydney, and then the next one might be Gail. Yeah. So, do you think they're going to be like slowly killed off in these I, next I, ones? I do. Or I, I don't think Sydney will. I, I think they might. I would hate it because I love Sydney, but yeah, if it's done well, I would. If it's done well, I'll still hate it. But it'll if it's executed well, you know. And I imagine these writers would do it if it serves the story. Then obviously, I'd be on board. Yeah, the only one I think that would even sniff at this one is Dewey. Yeah, and we get and we, and we kind of get that in the trailer a little bit. We see a scene of like a slow mo of Gale in like super wait she's emotional. Yeah, you know, yeah, she's well and crying. So the only person that could happen to besides Sydney is Dewey, and I don't think Sydney's gonna die in this movie. Yeah, I don't either. 
do not either. Uh, but do you have any any more th uh, anything else to add to Scream Five discussion before we close out this week? Just well, I know we won't do another Scream podcast until we both see the new Scream. So I'll end it by saying I am very very excited for the new Scream. I have very very high hopes that it will exceed my expectations as yours as well. Um, I. I trust these new directors. I'm glad that Kevin Williamson's on board to kind of oversee because he's one of the godfathers. I'm also glad that the three OGs are back because they care enough about the Scream franchise and they, I guess, see what these new directors are doing and they trust them. So, and, and the trailer was good and there's good actors in this new movie. So, I am like 90 to 95% sure that this new movie will be executed well. Yeah, same. I, I have all the faith in the world that this movie is going to be good. And like, even if it's not as good as one, and I don't expect expect it to, if it's as good as two and four, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Yeah. And I I have all the faith in the world in these directors and I'm, so so freaking excited for this movie it's probably my most anticipated movie of the next coming months except for dune which is coming out this week so pretty excited for that yeah i want i want this movie to be so good when i leave the theaters i say i gotta go watch it again <laughs> that's how that's how good i want it to be same same uh but that is it for this week's show guys and it does indeed bring a close to our deep dive on the Scream franchise but no need to fear because we'll be returning to Woodsboro pretty soon and I'm sure Dickens will be joining me for that as well so absolutely man yeah thanks for being a part of this dude yes sir you're welcome man it's been a blast absolutely and also just because we're done with Scream doesn't mean I'm done with the scares or Halloween stuff we still got couple weeks left in october so next week i'll be talking about cabin in the woods and on our halloween special we'll be talking about the 1999 classic the sixth sense so i'm, I'm pretty pumped to talk about both of those but until then be sure to hit that subscribe button leave a comment rate us and while you're at it give me a follow over on instagram and tiktok to stay up to date with all the latest content i have for you guys at ben davis movie podcast anyways until next time, stay classy.